The studio doors are locked. I've commandeered the captain's chair. I'm Asan, and this is the Friday Show. It's been a while, but I'm back in the saddle and joining me to look back at what has been another weird week on planet Earth. I've got Howard and firstly, Mr. Jordan Elgott. Morning, Jordan. Morning, how's it going? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Not bad, yeah. As we just said off air, getting to grips with this whole lockdown. But I mean, I'm playing so much FIFA and Call of Duty. I mean, if I, <laughs> if I was if I was 14, it'd be an absolute dream. But unfortunately, I quite enjoy going out. So, but yeah, I mean, needs must and happy to be doing this. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, um, I, I I haven't written the blog, but I am currently ninth in the Premier League with uh, Stockport County. My first season up around Christmas time, it was a little bit of a difficult start because all the centre-offs that I had, that step up from the Championship to the Premier League was a bit of a big one. So I was leaking a lot of goals, but I think I've got uh, I think I've got it under control now. But yeah, that's been my uh, escape, if you want. And actually, weirdly enough, um, morning, Howard, by the way. Sorry, I feel like you, I don't want you to just sit there having not said good morning. Morning. Good morning. How you doing? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Excellent. I'll just finish what I was saying. About... Stop working now. So. Oh, has it? <gasps> no, that's yeah. a crisis. Oh, that's a crisis, yeah. mate. I'd be, my, I'd be my winning city, someone. My city 0102 team were doing. I, I managed to take them to 14th in the championship, but I've got them up to third, and now it just says insert disc when I load it up. So. Oh no! Yeah, key time. So I'm playing Red Dead Redemption Two instead. It's, <laughs> it's just ridiculously magnificent game. So. Excellent. Well, I was just going to say that I, um, oddly enough, I've found that if I use Football Manager in those moments when I miss football, I don't miss football anymore. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a um, when the real football comes back, it'll be different. But for the moment, football manager's kind of acting like a placebo. Um, and it's nice because it exists on a laptop as opposed to existing in the real world where there's so much tribalism attached to it. Kind of just focusing on this game of football manager. It's, it's a nice way to be engaged with football somehow, but not because honestly, when I read about like the Premier League or transfers or stuff, I get a headache. I get a migraine immediately. Um, so I don't think I'm ready for the realness of real football right now, but mm. football manager does it for me. Anyway, listen, pack show, pack Friday show. Let's jump straight in. Um, Jordan, I'm glad you're on this pod because I'm going to start with you. And I feel as though the whole podcast will, will be a variation on this theme and this conversation because I actually think it's much bigger. Um, and much more important than we realize right now. So firstly, Steve Tudor, thank you for doing the agenda. Um, and the question is, how much does it concern you that newspapers are under threat right now? How important a role do they play in a free society? Well, I think, first of all, I should say I'm 24. So I've not grown up really reading newspapers. I'm very much a part of the digital generation and have generally consumed all my news online you know I've had Twitter since I was about 12 years old so that has formed a great part of sort of my news gathering um it, it concerns me greatly as it would with any other industry you know you don't want to see jobs at risk and I know a lot of people in newspapers just because of the industry that I work in and you don't want to see them at risk however my I, you, this whole week we've seen 
the hashtag buy paper on Twitter, my gut feeling, and it's maybe slightly ruthless, is that if you have to ask people to buy your products, it's not a sustainable way of keeping it alive. And I think it's probably a sign of the times that newspapers as a product are generally no longer as needed as they once were. Um, in terms of how much of a role they play in a free society, if you'd asked the question 20 years ago, again, it would have been essential because that was the main way of getting sort of questioning power, really, and getting free speech to the masses. Nowadays, I'd actually say that newspapers are more constrained by sort of editorial guidelines policy than the thing which has overtaken them, really, which is the Internet and things like YouTube and individual social commentators. So, yes, they do still have a role to play for the people who read them. But I think the times have been changing. And as a result, um, they're no longer as important. And unfortunately, they, I think this is only going to go one way, which will eventually see the complete demise of newspapers. When, you talk, when we talk about newspapers, um, to be clear, um, for the moment, we're just talking about the ink media, right? So that's your physical papers. And when you talk about the demise, that, is that really what you're talking about? The idea of the physical newspaper? Or do you think that the way in which people consume news in general is shifting away from a singular news source like the guardian or the times yeah i think first of all i'm talking about the actual physical paper which you go to the shops and buy because people just don't do that as much anymore Mm. but generally these newspapers even on the online sites to survive require ads and the way that ads work on newspaper sites pretty much make them unreadable the, the, if you if you click on the article of a red top newspaper online you're greeted with a survey at least two ads probably a video will start playing i click on a newspaper website if i'm gripped by the headline and i'll probably click off on it within about 20 seconds just so i've got the general gist i tend not to read them um whereas as i've already mentioned youtube's ads come on for five seconds and you can skip them and that's it they're done um so yeah I, I think first of all i'm talking about the actual physical newspaper but then i think it'll be very hard for them to survive anyway because i mean at the moment we're in this cycle of clickbait where they're so desperate for people to come to their sites they have to clickbait and as i just said you don't really stay on the articles for long because they're just unbearable okay um howard I feel almost like a dinosaur listening to Jordan talk there because... The youth of today, eh? Well, you know, for me, newspapers are important and have always been important because, you know, I've, from when I was a young teen, like, I'm interested in in world affairs and current affairs and, you know, investigative journalism uh, in all of its guises. So I, I have a slightly different relationship with the news media than Jordan does. And probably a lot of that is to do with the fact that I'm older. And when I was a kid, the internet wasn't around. So you got everything that you could from, from newspapers. Um, do you think that this is a generational conversation that we're having? Or do you think that it's a societal conversation? And what I mean by that is just, you know, Obviously, at some point, we're going to dive deeper into specifics and sport and how things are covered. But just in a very, in a very general sense, where do you think 
the push and the pullage? Do you think that in general, people are a little bit like, I don't need the media anymore because the world's too dystopian? Or do you think that it's, as I said to Jordan, that people are, rather than going to one singular place, they're, you know, reading blogs more or reading, you know, they follow individual journalists or political scientists so you, you see what i'm driving at here that you can you no longer have to go to a newspaper you can actually go to source in some instances to find news yeah it's generational and it's it's both because i think anyone if you asked anyone who's you know if their parents subscribe to a newspaper pretty much everyone would say yeah they still get a paper delivered uh for my parents the internet is still a a weird thing that they don't truly under. My mum uses it kind of, but she doesn't really understand what's that. Yeah, you know, she doesn't understand the science behind it, the uh, technology behind it, or whatever. Uh, and she's still struggling now to set up a direct debit now that she can't go out, you know, to pay bills. And they will still have a newspaper delivered, whereas our generation or mine is somewhere I've not picked up a newspaper in about five years. I have no need to because it's all online. Whereas we get even younger generation, they will have very little interest in print media whatsoever because it's all about online content. Mm. And the inter- yeah, so what's the internet done to newspapers? Well, it's it's an opportunity and it will destroy them because there's no hiding place now for the main campaign is against the Sun newspaper is what gets it in the neck from people not to buy more than any other newspaper. I don't have to explain to you why that is or that that's the case. Isn't it a bit weird that... uh, Sorry, Howard, I I need to ask this. Isn't it a bit weird that the sun is seen as different to the mail, the telegraph, the star, the mirror, when in actuality, like, the shit that we think is shit, you find it in all of those publications? Yeah, Uh, the mail especially. Uh, The Express maybe just isn't taken seriously enough i don't know mm. uh you know lower but the mail has the numbers to you know it's the mail and the sun that have the two biggest numbers the mail has got plenty i mean it gets criticized as a right-wing newspaper but it doesn't get the campaigns i think not to buy it that the sun does so yes i, I do that's... i do think that's strange i don't know if it has started if it's the power of the effects from liverpool you know not to buy it that that campaign's been so successful that it's spread across the country. That's you what could, I think, Howard. That's what yeah. I think. You, I, mean, I think it's be, it's because they've had that sort of high-profile campaign against the Sun, and you think of the Sun and you instantly associate it with Hillsborough now. Yeah. And, you know, I've read loads of other stuff, but what happened behind the scenes, 80s, 90s, Kelvin McKenzie, the most odious person you could ever meet, but it could give you the same stories about Dacre and other people, but they, yeah, they don't have it. Maybe, I don't know. they you're right, there's there's no real reason why one is worse than the other. Uh, but the internet is now their opportunity because it all becomes down to... That's what killed the print media, is is that people can get... As you say, I'm reading two stories last night, exclusive stories, interesting ones, about what's happening, and it did come from newspapers. It came... You've got, like, BuzzFeed or, you know, you've got sites like this that are doing investigatory journalism that we don't need the newspapers anymore uh, because they're not... When, you know, newspapers was the... I think the key thing about newspapers was the power of that front page Mm. and the power of that front page is gone now uh, because they're never breaking news. We always know it. Before the newspapers are available 
in a morning on any day, the news that's in that newspaper has already been disseminated if you go on social media online. You can even see the front pages the night before anyway, even if they have got news that no one else has got. Mm. So, and the as Jordan says, now the print media declines, the, the journalism standard declines because it's all about clicks, whereas selling a newspaper wasn't about... I mean, there was some sensationalism there, but people just bought newspapers religiously. Mm. Uh, and if you got that front page right, you'd get some extra people as well. Now it's about just getting into a website. But as Jordan said, now they need the advertising, but the advertising kills the page. If you do SEO, you'll know all about bounce rates, and ha- which is how long people stay on a page. I go on an evening news page, I'm off it in 20 seconds because I can't even scroll down, there's that much going on. And so they're kind of killing themselves by going after the advertising. So, yeah, it's a very troublesome time because, yeah, the younger generation do not do not need a newspaper to get their information, nor do we or anyone else. It's all – if you go on Twitter, it's all there, and it's not coming from the newspapers a lot of the time. Okay. Jordan, um, I saw an exchange between two journalists yesterday, which and I won't name them, but – um, one of them said quite defensively, I've never been paid for a click, right? Or I've never been paid by the click. Is is that a little bit disingenuous for modern day journalists who are newspaper journalists who are on Twitter to engage with an audience? Is it a bit disingenuous for them to say, I've never been paid for a click? Absolutely, because they're paid because of the clicks if they didn't get clicks then they wouldn't get paid it's as simple as that obviously it's not as simple in in terms of you know you get a click you get a pound that sort of thing but if they weren't getting clicks then they would not be able to pay the writer so that's why i sort of think we're seeing so many articles at the moment which are just utter trash because these journalists are under pressure in the football world despite there not being that much going on to get clicks otherwise these companies can't survive that's what it's come down to nowadays it's all about the clicks so yeah it's totally disingenuous for that writer i didn't actually see the exchange um for them to say that because okay you're not writing your stories for clicks because you're they're probably a very good journalist who gets decent stories and you know they're they're writing it for people who want to see them and need to see them but it ultimately, in a financial sense, it comes down to the fact that they wouldn't have a job if they couldn't get those clicks. Well, I, I subscribe to, you know, talking about the, the getting news, I get Private Eye and The Economist, and they're not, they don't deal with breaking news, but they deal with stuff that you just won't read, you know, mm. behind-the-scenes type stuff. Uh, now, we're not talking about football in this opening question. It's undeniable fact that many journalists' jobs are dependent on clicks, uh, if you read Private Eye, the stories will pop up about, you know, an editor saying the Express and the Star, I think, and again, I'm not talking about the football journalists, the Express and the Star are literally on, you know, have been told, you need a million views on this site this month. They're giving specific targets mm. and even stuff about cats are in at the moment, cat videos, just, just nick some cat videos, get them on there. So this is, you know, this is how journalism has changed and it's it's undeniable that many journalists are, you know, I do feel for them in a way. Are literally just there to churn out, churn out fifteen articles a day to get people onto websites. Mm. Um, how do we begin to? Well, I want to kind of begin to drill down into fo- sport and football and how this 
kind of meta question, yeah, uh, has become a very sports-specific, and not just football, but we'll talk specifically about football-specific conversation in the last few days with many football writers tweeting by a paper, hashtag by a paper, um, and being met with a barrage of abuse from football supporters uh, who are basically going, why would we buy your paper when you talk shit about us? Um, Jordan, is that a little bit... Is that a bit naive, a bit binary, a bit not really looking at the bigger picture and being a bit too tribal or is that just fair enough what that people would react badly to people okay um i was having a bit of a think about this and I, i think it ultimately comes down to the fact that it's so hostile on twitter i think in person let's say you spoke to a journalist who okay maybe didn't like your team that much but said oh, our industry is under threat it'd be a great help if people could buy paper i think you'd be like fair enough 30p i'll do my bit i think on twitter you see sort of i don't know off the top of my head someone who's had bad interactions with manchester city fans is miguel delaney if he's tweeting please buy the independent um oh actually are they are they still a newspaper or are they just online they are now? not no they're, they're not right okay they're so right. anyway in a, J- jonathan Liu from the guardian um if he's tweeting that then I think you just expect the replies to be absolutely full of Manchester City fans um, having a go because saying, you know, fair enough, why would I buy your content if you're not writing what I really want to see? Um, So I think it does come down slightly to that. I think, I don't know, I'm a bit more compassionate in these circumstances, despite how sort of ruthless I've been with newspapers as a whole. I I think it's, it's obviously really sad that people's, livelihoods are at risk especially in yeah. this time and uh for the sake of 30p if i was going out of my house at any point to, to go buy paper then i would do um i'm, I'm in lockdown but um yeah I, I think i think it's fair enough to ask it in the short term but as i say if you're having to ask people to buy your product it's just not sustainable in the long term so 100 no, i mean there was a yeah some of this is obviously it's not about just being badly run. It's a changing world and they've struggled to adapt. So no one could really plan for a pandemic because what's actually happened is a lot of advertisers have removed their advertising from any page that involves mention of the coronavirus because they don't want their advertising next to it. Mm. So yeah, newspapers can't plan for that. But Jordan makes a good point. And you know, I was thinking about all this, uh, don't, don't go in Weatherspoons. Don't, yeah, let's, the ones who have, acted badly, the company bosses have acting badly in during this coronavirus, so Mike Ashley, you know, don't use Sports Direct again. Don't go into Weatherspoons because of Tim Martin. Who's that really going to punish? Well, it'll punish those two, but it will mostly punish tens of thousands of just, you know, normal people, people like us yeah. who will lose their jobs and there'll be no other jobs for them to go into. So it's the same with newspapers and, you know, it is so tribal on Twitter that I don't like Jonathan Liu, therefore I'm not buying the paper when he's one person in a whole organisation. Uh, and I love the Guardian front pages, you know, I think are some of the best. And I'll go on the site and look at the TV section, film section, or the cooking section. Uh, but, you know, that's the way... I think it's time for you, Asan, to mention what you said earlier in the week about the free reign of football journalists has somehow 
is actually damaging the whole product of their newspaper. Well, you remember that point? Absolutely. I think it was a really good point that I hadn't thought about before. Well, I, I think that I, I've actually been fascinated looking at it from the outside at the, the kind of the exchanges that have gone on on social media in the last week. And I, the thing that I can't help but feel is that um, I feel as though a lot of football journalists in particular don't see how they uh, they started this, that they, they, they are doing a disservice to their own newspapers to their own media organizations because look the reality is that what Howard just said should not actually happen no football writer should be so divisive in what he writes that his entire publication will not be bought by an entire supporter base I mean that is something historically we associate with something as 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 tragic and as catastrophic as Hillsborough and the Sun and now here we are having a conversation about City fans will never go to an independent page and City fans will never buy The Guardian. If that has happened, then... And I'm going to throw this over to Jordan, actually. Jordan, if that's happened, don't you think that this could be what I would think would be a teachable moment for a lot of these journalists? This would be... A, if you've got to go onto Twitter and say, hashtag buy my paper, and then you're met with a barrage of abuse from people going, hashtag buy a coffee because your paper's full of shit, then do you not, do you not think that some of them should begin to reflect upon how they have interacted with people? Or do you feel that there's nothing we can do here? Well, in theory, yes, it should be you know, a lesson that they could take from it. However, I think in most cases, these chief sports writers who are often the ones writing these articles, um, the more opinion-based sort of given free license to write whatever they want, um, they their egos are supplemented by their fellow writers and also they just don't really care about people on Twitter. If they were having people sort of, and I'm certainly not condoning this, but sort of um, confronting them in person about it, that might be more impactful. Um, but I think on Twitter, they're probably so used to it and um, just that it's not even registering because they get so much abuse that it's it's not even probably classing as a person whenever someone replies to them saying, go buy a coffee or whatever. It's just sort of regular abuse that they receive. So I think they should learn from it. Will they learn from it? Absolutely not. Howard, do you think that... I covered the point that I made earlier in the week well enough there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I just get the feeling you could talk for about 10 minutes about it, though. Well, uh, so you were I, quite controlled in a way. I just, yeah. I, yeah it's, I mean, we'll come to the fan side of it later because I know it's the final question. So I'll steer away from that by now. But they have got a free reign. Football is so big and so important to so many people that people are reacting this way. And it's weird that these football journalists... And this is not me saying they're talking rubbish. Even if they're being... The point is, they probably need to be diplomatic and bite the lip. They may be making pertinent points and getting unfair abuse. And I'm sure there's tons of unfair abuse for football journalists every day, just like any journalist. But they have to think about the wider picture that they're still representing their newspaper and it's affecting sales. Uh so I think it is a relevant point that you made, yeah. I think the thing for me, and it's something that I don't fully understand right now, and that is that even, so, for example, 
the, I talked about this on a podcast previously, or maybe I just talked about it in a conversation. The Bleacher Report, right? The Bleacher Report have got very strict rules about in the US about how they portray uh, NBA players, NFL players, Major League Baseball players. Um, yeah. And none of those rules apply to football in Europe. So, for example, the the picture that the Bleacher Report use repeatedly of uh, Mane kicking Edison in the head is a graphic and an image that if it was the equivalent had happened in the NBA, in the NFL, and Major League Baseball, they would never, ever, 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 ever use that image. Would It's against their editorial rules. Mm. So it's very baffling for me that there's almost like a... Um, There's almost like a tribalism in amongst the journalists that is, or in amongst the media organizations that they don't, maybe they feel they need to fuel the tribalism to fuel their industry. But I don't think that, I think that actually we're becoming tired of that. Most supporters that I know are pretty tired of arguing or seeing other people argue about trivial meaningless stuff to do with football and most football supporters that i know not just city supporters are tired of the way that their clubs are portrayed in the media it's very rare that you'll find a football supporter that will go now you know what like we're we, we get a pretty fair we get a pretty fair ride in the media um and i think a lot of this is where i've begun to look at it and go because just to connect it back to the conversation at the very beginning, I'm looking at plummeting newspaper sales. I'm looking at newspapers begging people to purchase their products. And then I'm looking at the journalists and the front line arguing with, patronizing and belittling basically their customers. And I'm going, you are deluded here because, you know, you can't be... You can't roll like that. I can't roll mm-hmm. like that. Do you know what I mean? I run a podcast but, and people pay for the podcast. I cannot argue, patronize, call my listeners idiots or muppets or morons or sheep or, you know, like it's just, that's not how you can, nobody can run a business like that. So how do newspapers think that they their business can be run whilst their blokes on the front line are out there going, no, you're thick. You're stupid. And literally, the Miguel Delaney's of this world are calling grown-ass men thick and stupid. Like, you know, it's... Yeah. Sorry, Howard, you were going to say something? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. No, <laughs> it's, just, it's just that their accounts are not personal accounts. That's the point here. Yeah. Yeah, they seem to think that they, you know... This is not criticism. This is... A, Talking about changing times, so it's not me having a dig at football journalists, because but they're not as important as they used to be. Not, but and I say that's not criticism. That's because the times have changed, and they don't have as much to offer anymore because the breaking news. When's the last time you know talk about the power of the front page? When's the last time a back page had breaking news of any interest? Probably not, to be honest. I mean, all most back pages are pretty much just rehashing press conferences or news that's already out there, that's already been broken into the wider world. And because their jobs are now harder. And so what's left, opinion pieces, uh, behind-the-scenes pieces that the Athletic do do quite well, that tell you something you didn't know about things that have already happened 
you know, you know about the basics, but you didn't know about what went on behind the scenes. There's just less scope for these people. But on Twitter, they have to pretend to still to portray themselves as being the guardians of the sport and then they're providing us with a service and news and information when it's much harder to do. But as you, you know, as you've said, it, they're not personal accounts. It's not for them. I don't want their opinions. I'm just not interested with most of their opinions anymore. If you want to do that, have a separate Twitter account that says I not, you know, this does not show the views of my employer or whatever. Yeah, because they're not doing the job properly if they're sat on Twitter arguing with people all day. Jordan, do you think that that's a fair comment that if you're a journalist, sports writer, and you are famous amongst a supporter base for arguing with them all day on social media, that you're not doing your job properly? properly? Or could it be argued that actually that is your job in the modern world? Well, I think you can take it back to what we said about clicks. Um it's it's almost a form of clickbait, and I think the the prime example of that is Miguel. You know, I th- I'm, he just sits on Twitter all day and will will argue with anyone. And I'm not sure what he actually gets out of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it it was encouraged because it, it drums up interest in his articles. Okay, it might alienate a certain supporter base, but it may also bring in supporter bases who don't like that supporter base. It wouldn't surprise me just because a whole group of Manchester City fans don't like one journalist that that would sort of make a group of Liverpool fans or Manchester United fans like them instead. Mm. So I, I think you can look at it two ways. I think if you're looking at what a sports writer should be doing, it's clearly not that in an ideal world. Um, and I totally agree with what you've both been saying. Uh, in terms of the sort of free license they've been given to project their opinions onto hundreds of thousands of people. You know, I've seen sports, you know, as someone who's just broken into the industry myself, I view my job as to report just on the sporting side of things. Yes, other things will come into it, but I would never dream of sort of trying to encapsulate wider societal problems into a report on a football game like we saw when City beat Watford 6-1 in the FA Cup final a lot of these sports writers 6-0 sorry Um, (laughs) it was a blurry game I missed half of the second half Um, a lot of these sports writers have all of a sudden become human rights journalists as well it's the lines have become very blurred in terms of their job I think that's fair to say. I I think that's part another point that's gone is the match report you see I just don't you know when we've when I can see any goal and any amount of action from any game, even to League, you know, Division Two, probably I could pick up a find the highlights for Shrewsbury Town match or whichever division they're in. The match reports died as well, so yeah, that's why they're suddenly morphing into these social warriors as well, which yeah. is completely kills the point of what a match report is supposed to be about. It's telling you about the actual match. Mm. So, uh, but he, he's not fair. Yeah, the eye, I think, is one of the main, the few success stories. They actually have just announced big profits once they've got rid of their print media. It goes to show that it can work online. Mm. Um, so I want to talk about a couple of specific, very specific instances from this week because it's funny how these things, um, it's funny how people and situations just expose themselves sometimes. So firstly, Matt Lawton, 
uh, tweeted something yesterday, right, about City, and um, it began with mega rich Man City, and it ended with uh, it seems they want to be seen to be running their business properly, right? And this led to Blue Moon, who uh, to Rick Turner, who runs Blue Moon, saying. All week we've had journalists pleading with us to buy newspapers as the industry is struggling. But then you have the likes of Lawton continuing with their snide digs and you can't help but think, fuck them. Um, So I'm interested in what the line here is on. So firstly, uh, Jordan, Matt Lawton's tweet. Did you see it yesterday? Yeah, I did see it at the time. Did it bother you? I mean, it's just, it just seemed crass and unnecessary to start with mega rich. It's just th- those sort of buzzwords which you associate with a negative headline. Mm. And then I saw in the replies, he was trying to say that he was actually praising them. But mm. I think, you know, let's say we, we had this um, players together movement yesterday, didn't we, where the footballers donated to the NHS. If you see, let's say, because Jordan Henderson was a big part of that. Let's say you saw a headline which said mega rich Jordan Henderson um donates money to nhs i think it takes away from what jordan henderson or any footballer has done i think it's just an unnecessary dig to to state that and also he said their owners want to be seen to be doing the right thing i mean it was clearly not well intentioned i think that that's fair to say i know he denied it in the replies and that he was actually praising city's owners and City as a club, but you just would not use that language to describe that act if you were trying to be positive about it. I think the, the, the lack of self-awareness is, ridic- is ridiculous. You said, just read the piece. So I can't read the piece. It's behind a paywall. So no, <laughs> we'll judge you on your tweets. We don't need to read the piece. We're talking about your tweet. The piece is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if you praise us, Ty Evans. We're discussing what you've just written in that tweet as we're entitled to. Mm. So... Yeah. And it's not even like it's just a headline because he's tweeted it out. I've got sympathy as, you know, someone who's written articles myself, which I don't choose the headline for. That's done by a superior or a sub-editor. He's actually, by tweeting it out, he has given it validation. He's given it his seal of approval. So as far as I'm concerned, if you tweet out, that is probably what the general gist of the article is. I did like Asan's tweet, though, that the irony of him there. Uh... Saying seem to be running, you know, seem to be run properly, the business properly, whilst they themselves are pleading for money so they don't go under is uh, mm. deeply ironic here. Yeah. Well, I just think that we're in a moment where everybody's trying to be seen to be running their business properly. It's just that yeah. some are succeeding and some are <laughs> rapidly failing. Um, okay, so the other example is. Um, the other example from this week is an exchange that Sam Lee has ended up in with various uh, tabloid writers. Uh, Sam tweeted something yesterday about The Sun, and it was a comment about something... It was basically a comment about two different front pages of The Sun. And all the tweet said was absolutely no shame. And it was yesterday's front page, which is on the side of the Angels. And the second one was a Sun editorial, uh, which says, The Sun says, sack the docks, right? So, um, and this led to an exchange between Sam 
and Martin Blackburn from The Sun and Jeremy Cross, I believe, from The Daily Star and Simon Mullock from The Mirror and I believe there were other journalists. Matt Law. Matt Law from The Times. John Cross, yeah. John Cross, yeah. Where where is Matt Law from? Is he from The Times? Uh, I think he's Telegraph, isn't he? I think he's Telegraph. Okay, so he's he's Telegraph. Okay. So, um... Have you all? Have you both seen the the, yeah. the exchange? So, for anybody who's not seen it, just to be very clear about what it is, Sam was having a go at something that was written on the front page of the Sun, and um, he was criticised by some football writers. And his reply was to say that effectively, football writers absolved themselves of blame for the Raheem Sterling stories by saying we don't and can't control what happens on the front pages of our newspapers. And those same football writers are now seemingly criticizing him for being critical of something on the front pages. And their argument is that whilst the industry is under threat in some way, they need to all stick together. And, you know, there were a few comments of, you share a press box with us, which quite frankly, if somebody had said that to me, my answer would have been, what are you actually trying to say now, my friend? Because those feel like very thinly to me. I'm not Sam, and I know that Sam didn't say them that way, but when I read some of those answers they felt like thinly veiled threats and so i'm a little bit interested in whether you think that that exchange is a sign of the shifting um the shifting power within the media where somebody like sam lee who writes for the athletic who isn't high up at at the athletic by any stretch of the imagination but is kind of you know brave enough in his own way, to call out bullshit from his fellow professionals, or should he be sticking with them? Jordan? No, well, I mean, I was totally baffled by this whole exchange, I should say. In fact, I was actually disgusted. I I thought it was disgusting the way that Sam was replied to. Um, Because as you say, the tweet just said absolutely no shame. He's He's not talking about anyone in particular there. He's not even talking about any sports writers generally it's talking about two headlines which are clearly two-faced um so i think sam has a right to call that out when it escalates i think sam also then has a you know sam's not drawn first blood here which i think is crucial it's jeremy cross in the reply who says um, how would you know about papers? You've never worked for one. You do know all about misinformation, though, given you got the biggest story of your fledgling career wrong earlier this season. Our industry is walking a tightrope, so give up knocking it. That is, I think that's a disgusting reply. First Clearly. blood right there, bro. That's first yeah. oh, blood, that It's is. horrible. It's so insulting. If I received that, I'd be absolutely baffled that <laughs> the tweet that I somebody done, else is just another like journalist sorry i don't mean to cut you off but another journalist has literally in the last minute just tweeted exactly the same thing but i do also take on board sam has never been employed by a newspaper and it's just like really lads like on the one hand you are crying that your industry is going under and on the other hand you're telling us that sam lee well he's not as good as you because he doesn't work for a newspaper your newspapers aren't even going to exist if you carry on like this sorry jordan 
No, it's all right. No, I totally agree. I think there is a bubble, as I said earlier, um, to do with the egos of sports writers. Sort of, they're they're in their own bubble, and they are in the right if their colleagues believe that they are in the right. I think that's how it's viewed. Um, it was just a bizarre thing, really. I mean, I saw Simon Mullock say, um, "You joined a pylon to keep your followers sweet." The only person piling on are the journalists there in that situation. Are the, are the ones going against Sam? Yeah, I don't think Sam's done anything wrong in that situation. I'd actually forgotten what your original question was, Asan. Well, I, just, I was so baffled by this whole exchange. Well, look, let's let, let's let's look at it a different way, right? So the, the 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 point that you've just made that you know for you everybody's piled, they've all piled onto Sam, and they're all completely out of order. Just very briefly from you. Why do? Why are they not aware of that? And I'm the reason I'm asking you specifically is because for me, you work in the mainstream media, right? So you sit in press boxes. I don't know what they put in the water in press boxes because I've got literally no idea where some of these guys get off thinking and behaving and acting the way they do. So what's the deal here? Why do you know whether it's Simon Mullock or it's whoever we've just mentioned in all of those different newspapers? Why are they having a go at Sam? Why are they not seeing that in the current climate, that's not the way to operate? You're not going to, people aren't going to look at that exchange and go, well, I'm definitely buying a newspaper now. Yeah, I think at the heart of it is deep down, these people are very worried for their jobs and they're very defensive as a result. I had a chat just before I sort of broke into the industry with The Mirror's David Anderson, who's a really good journalist, over 100,000 followers on Twitter, which is built up. I think he covers uh, Northwest football, like Leeds sort of way. Um, and he told me, I remember it clearly, because I, I was really eager to pursue a career in sports journalism. And he said, even at my stage, you're still waiting for a knock on the door to tell you that you're done. Mm. Because that's just how it goes. That's a sign of the times. So I think that is a feeling shared by even these people replying to Sam, like um, Crossy, who I, I can't remember his name. Um, John or Jeremy, both. Jeremy Cross, that's one, who's the chief sports writer. You know, he will be in that same boat. If one sort of newspaper goes, then they all, they all lose their jobs. Hmm. Um, and but then why go to war? To- what, sorry? Why go to war? Like, I, I'm, I'm a bit... The, the I thing- can't explain the psyche, Asan. I've experienced it. When I go to press conferences, there's a very clear divide between the broadcast journalists and the print journalists. And I, I'm quite a friendly person. I try and interact with them anyway. But there is... There's a hostility there, <laughs> even towards professionals who are broadcast journalists, um, about sort of stories and how they're treated so I, I can't explain why they're like that. I think it comes down to just fear of losing their job. Yeah, the athletic launch dropped a huge bomb into on the industry in a way. It's yeah. clearly created a schism. Oh, massively. I mean, you, you saw it with Neil Custis's reaction to it. Even well, though he he was the one sort of foolish enough to make himself look foolish on Twitter. Yeah. That's how a lot of them will have been feeling. Why wasn't I picked for this sort of lifeboats where my ship is sinking Mm. why is he not getting those those journalist awards every year it's an absolute (laughs) it's a baffling mystery it really is (laughs) i think Uh, it's very emotive at the time i mean sam himself just become a father the coronavirus people are dying his original tweet was probably he's just experienced the the beauty and the of the nhs and you know it's something he feels strong we all feel strongly about the nhs 
this was nothing to do with football whatsoever. And it was a, a tweet, you know, like most tweets, we just, dis- we sit there and we decide to do a tweet. We don't give it hours of thought. He put, you know, he's just had experienced uh, NHS treatment and he's got an opinion on something political. And yeah, I just found the whole thing baffling. But yeah, you know, Simon, Simon's definitely one of the good guys. I think he's great. Uh, I didn't expect anything different from the other ones involved, but it seemed strange that they took it personally. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of fear in the industry, as I guess there's a lot of fear with all of us at the moment about what the future holds. Maybe, maybe it's the time. You know, it, you know, if he'd done this in a year's time, maybe it would it would have been different. That's the only excuse I can give for how it this developed. But it was very surreal watching it because, mm. and then Neil Custis has got involved. Well, you might as well just stop reading, to be honest. Well, I agree. With I you, mean, but- he's just put you've taken a cheap shot at the whole industry. I mean, how shit. Do you have to beat your job or be able to read stuff that you think that Sam's tweet was taking a? It wasn't. It was taking a. It was, <laughs> it taking, was, it was quite specific. I mean, it couldn't be clearer what Sam's point was. The hypocrisy of the Sun newspaper editors or owners for changing their their shifting, you know, attacking doctors. Then being, you know, it's nothing to do with Neil Custis, nothing to do with football. Uh, but it just shows how I don't know. Do they have a? Is there a, like? Their version of a Hippocratic Oath or something that you just don't, you don't shit on your own doorstep, so to speak. You don't, you do not criticize your own industry ever, front page or back. Well, and the I funny guess thing maybe is, Sam broke that, but Sam doesn't. If Sam's never worked in newspapers, then why would Sam care? He's got no obligation to defend newspapers, has he? Well, so the, the, the point they're is, making is actually saying, well, yeah, you know, you've you've never worked in newspapers. Well, yeah, he hasn't. So what's your point? He's not obliged to defend them, is he? Mm. Well, the funny thing is, I recall not even a week ago, um, a journalist who works for the New York Times was publicly very critical of a journalist who works for The Athletic to the point where he suggested that a unnamed or off-the-record source should have been outed and not allowed to remain off the record. Now, I don't recall in that particular moment all these bastions of, you know, the collectivism of journalism piling in to say, whoa, 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 that's really out of order. How dare you? I mean, for me, as somebody who isn't a journalist, I saw that particular exchange um, between Rory Smith and, and David Onstein and was just absolutely staggered at what Rory Smith said. Where the fuck does he get off saying something like that? And... Very, very, very specifically, how can it come to pass that he says that, that he basically says to another journalist, well, you know what I think? I think that source that you used uh, doesn't doesn't smell right to me. So I think actually you shouldn't have let that person be unnamed. I think that's a horrendous thing to say. And fundamentally, that attacks not just the credibility of an organization, but it attacks the credibility very specifically of a specific colleague of yours. And I don't see, I didn't see at that moment any pile on or anything from anybody to try and defend Ornstein, not from the media world. Or all I saw were other journalists who want Liverpool to win the fucking league dishing it out that, yeah, that's, you know, just obviously a, a Premier League chairman with a vested interest. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's a, yeah. there's a kind of, there's a, there's a, a, a weirdness to the world of, football media a kind of murkiness that is really like 
next level murky for me. I don't really know. Uh, I'm really glad I'm not a football right. That's okay. all I can say. Yeah, this, sorry, Jordan. You know, it all came from the sneering, the sneering at the athletic and you know the the print me the print journalists and what they think. They obviously <laughs> two very different cliques and groups now. Seem to have oh, well, content seems to be going one way. To be honest, there. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of print journalists waiting for the athletic to fail as well. So mm. yeah, they could they could say that oh we're all in this together, but I can guarantee you there'll be lots of congratulatory tweets and WhatsApp messages going around if the athletic ever falls, and then we'll see how together that industry is. Mm. Um, do you think that we have to take some responsibility for the situation? And when I talk about we, I talk about um, football supporters in general, not just city supporters. Um, do you think we have to take some responsibility in the position that we find ourselves in? Um, like, have, are we too precious? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, I could look, I could go back to the question I asked you earlier about Matt Lawton uh, and his tweet about mega rich Man City. And I could say, factually speaking, we are mega fucking rich, lads. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's didn't call us you know human rights abusing uh, you see what i'm driving at here like I, i'm 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 trying to find a line because i do feel so it is kind of funny that sometimes you 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 particularly since i've taken a step back from trying to actually talk to people on twitter but you'll see like a journalist football journalist tweet something and then you'll see like a million support just like ah! and it's has just it, has he ever typed make a rich manchester united Look, I'm not being funny, Howard, but I imagine that if you Google Mega Rich and Man United, you'll get a zillion hits. Like, I'm not, yeah. that, I guess, I, I guess that maybe I'm, I'm not trying to be devil's advocate, but I do f- yeah. think that we can also, maybe I should re- rephrase this. Jordan, tell me, should we pick our battles better as supporters? Um, yeah, probably. Probably. I think, uh, the sort of negativity of the journalists towards clubs has been greeted with just as much negativity from the supporters. And as a result, anything that is tweeted now by a Miguel Delaney character or someone like that will have a Manchester City fan in the replies calling him out for something that he's written a few weeks ago, which isn't relevant. Um, But, you, you know, you're not in control of every supporter. And I think it's just got to the point of no return now where the negativity has just breeded further negativity and we're in this endless cycle of it. You know, no no one will ever change their mind now. No Man City supporter who's been arguing Miguel Delaney, let's say a Rabin or someone like that, um, will change their mind on how the club is treated in the media. I think it's gone too far. So I think, yes, maybe battles should be chose, chosen better. But at, at this point now, I think it's just too far gone. Yeah, we are too sensitive, and it's too far gone. So yeah, we are. No, we're all tribal. We're, Sorry, we're hypocrites. We're oversensitive. It's the medium of Twitter as well. It's very different to face-to-face conversation. You know, uh, it it actually le- lends itself to arg- arguments, disagreements, and misunderstandings. Uh, but of course, yeah, we are. Well, most football fans are oversensitive, or every uh, fan base has got before, a lot of them. What you said just before, Aysan, um when we were talking about the sort of role of football writers, you said 
there are very few clubs who will say, oh, we get a fair ride in the media. Mm. And that's not less, that's not because the journalists are biased against every single club. That's because football fans only really pay attention to the negatives. They do. Mm. You, you know, if, if we were reading sort of just... I don't agree with that. I, I think generally that is the case. And I think negativity is always, just in terms of human psyche, you could get 10 nice comments and one bad one, and you'll focus on the one bad one. Maybe, but I, I view it slightly differently. I think that um, I think that football writing uh, has become over intellectualized, and I think oh, I that totally what agree. football writers don't, what football writers have completely lost sight of. I mean, in my opinion, they've a hundred percent lost sight of this, and that is what is it that their audience want? What we want as an audience is to read about our football clubs in a if it's not going to be passionately pro us in a relatively objective fashion and what we don't want is to be patronized and what really there's a lot of um how do i say this i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to find an analogy that best sums this up it's like okay so when you go and watch a film at the football is entertainment. When you go and watch film at the cinema, right? Fundamentally, what goes on behind the scenes at Sony Pictures when they make that film is for the trade newspapers in Hollywood, right? Nobody else really knows about that because nobody really cares. When you go and see the thing, right? You're just going to be entertained for a couple of hours and you're paying your thing to be entertained. You're not really that asked about what's going on behind the scenes. That's somebody else's business. You just want to be entertained. And I think that to a greater or lesser extent, we have a similar relationship with football that we just, you know, we want to be entertained. We want to go and see, hang out with our mates, have a nice afternoon out and watch the sport that we love and, and support the team that we support. Now that that's not to say that we want to be completely shut down or blind to things that are wrong or things that are bad. But in general, the weight of what we want is pretty soft because we're not really we're not really interested in the you know with the best will in the world i don't remember growing up as a as a as a supporter of football growing up in the 90s i don't remember knowing who the chairman or the ceo or the sporting director of a football club was like really like this is like it's this modern for me it feels like a super modern phenomenon where there is this laser like focus on ed woodward for example in the last 12 months if you look at the focus on woodward and the column inches devoted to this guy and the column inches devoted to him being the devil i know a man united supporter who said to me two or three months ago like i I, I don't read anything. And I was like, why not? He's like, it's horrible. Like, I'm, if I watch the 90 minutes of football, everything's fine. But as soon as I go on Twitter, or as soon as I open a newspaper, I just, just I, I want to give up on the whole thing. And I think that for me anyway, I, I feel that that's where the line is that as a reporter of football, right? You have to remember that you're, for your audience, football is entertainment. So, they are looking for an extension of their entertainment. Delaney, when he writes in the FA Cup, the, when the FA Cup match report becomes about the death of football, human rights in Abu Dhabi, and the difference between the haves and the have-nots, that's not serving a single person who is interested 
in football. The Watford fans could give less of a fuck. They're not reading that. The City fans could also give less of a fuck. Hmm. They're not reading that. So who who's reading it? Like you're, you can show, look at me, I'm so smart and so intellectual that I can, you know, look at what I've extrapolated from this slapping that Man United, have, Man City have dished out. But who are you actually serving? You see uh, the point well, I'm making? Yeah, well, it's what Jordan said earlier. It's it's serving the biggest fan bases and the the one that gets the most hits. Manchester, a lot of Manchester City content by newspapers is not for Manchester City fans. It's for United, Liverpool, Arsenal fans to get aroused over at how evil to make themselves feel better that City are evil and cheats. That's that gets you more hits than City fans reading a nice match report because. Apparently there aren't any of us, so that's how it works. Jordan, <laughs> the content the content on some clubs is not for the fan base of that club. Jordan, that, would you that look, appears to City more than any other club? I think. But do you think that? Hold on, but I don't. I'm. I, I I agree with you to an extent, but I think that we're we've actually passed that point as well because this is about all football supporters. That's why I use mm. United as the uh, and, and Woodward as the example. Um, Jordan, what do you think? Do you think that we're... Do you think that as an industry, never mind Man City, as an industry, football writers in particular have have a little bit lost sight of what they're writing for and who they're writing for? Because even if I support Chelsea or Arsenal or Man United, I'm reading that Watford-Man City match report and I'm going, this is nonsense. There was the same 30 years ago. There was the haves and there was the have-nots, right? So it's, you, you see, see what I'm driving at? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes back to a mixture of what we've said so far. So you saying in, uh, it's become too intellectual based. Mm. And also what I've said so far in terms of football writers' egos are supplemented by those who work with them rather than the people that they are writing for the type of article that um you've just referred to the fa cup one what i don't think was aimed at football fans at all i think it was aimed at academics almost or people who who are looking for that more nuanced version of events you know football fans want more of a match report i think football writing in general as you've said has become far too intellectual i think the writers seem to think that they're sort of in academia rather than sports writing I think that that's a genuine problem and I think it also um, helps explain why there's so much belittling of supporters by sports writers on Twitter because they genuinely believe that they are above them in terms of their knowledge of the sport and what they say is sort of a revelation and should be sort of taken on board so I think there's absolutely weight in what you're saying. Um, the football writers have lost sight of who they're writing for and at times aren't even writing for football fans. They're mm. writing for themselves and their colleagues. Yeah, Jonathan Wilson sadly don't make private eyes suits corner this uh, the last issue. <laughs> but Barney Roney makes it in there because as he, he uh, compares Eric Dyer going into the stands to confront that fan after they went out of the Champions League, to a, a polar bear looking angry and lost a receding ice cap or something like that. And it's like, what? who are you writing this nonsense for? Mm, <laughs> <Yeah>. Just <laughs> No, it did not, it did not resemble a, 
a polar bear as the ice cap receded. He was just angry at someone in the crowd and went to confront them. That's the beginning and end of the story. Can and you imagine just... someone at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium going, oh, you seen Eric Dyer there? He looks like a polar bear on an ice cap. Like, <laughs> yeah. It just, just doesn't happen. It's not what people speak like. Oh, unbelievable. Okay. Okay. Um, gentlemen, I want to wrap this up because... I feel as though there aren't really any easy answers. And I don't think that, you know, I think that in a way you can go around in circles with, with a lot of this stuff, but I feel as though I kind of want to wrap up by asking you both again, in a different way, the question that I asked you at the top, and that is this, this whole podcast really came from the hashtag buy a paper. Um, when we put aside sport and football, um, the media, the news reporting media, whether it be an online newspaper or a physical newspaper, for, I'll speak first. For me, they they play a very important role in society. And as much as I take the piss out of journalists begging people to buy a paper, I'll buy a paper. I will buy a paper because I don't want Simon Mullock to be kicked out of a job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't even want Miguel Delaney to be kicked out of a job. That's not the... This is, you know, the world is in a really complicated place right now and we probably need more positivity and more collectivism than we do need more divisiveness at this particular moment in time. So even though... I have all of these examples around me of maybe journalists who are operating in a way which makes it very easy for me to go, fuck the papers. No, I'm going to sit here and say, buy a paper. Howard? Yeah, there's three papers I would never touch. There's yeah. two papers I would never touch as a third one. That's sadly... No, there's four. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, doesn't take much to really work it out, but I agree. Uh, th- you know, times will be different after this... Uh, and how we spend our money and how we do stuff. Uh, yeah, I know. I think you made some good points, and I will. I think I will go out and buy a newspaper at some point. Mm. Uh, at the end of the day, buy a newspaper, see if you enjoy it, and see if it was value for money. If it wasn't, don't buy it again. If you do, forget about who you hate and who you don't hate. It was a good purchase. Keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, that's what will newspapers will keep going if they deserve it. Uh, there won't be clickbait stuff about combined 11s in print media there won't be stuff about United fans are apoplectic after what they saw Paul Pogba do in the 57th minute against Liverpool at least the print media will keep actually giving you news and stories so yeah do if you're absolutely few you know if you've just had it up to you if you had it to hear about clickbait online then make a return to newspapers you might just be pleasantly surprised Jordan? Yeah, well, I was actually going to say that I agree, but I don't think print newspapers are as important as they used to be. But having heard what Howard's just said, I've been convinced, and it's very good points, you know, that you won't get the same sort of rubbish clickbait that you get online. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with what you said, Asad, because no one wants to see people lose jobs in these climates, so in this climate rather. So I think it's. Uh, a valid hashtag which shouldn't really be met with uh hostility and if you can buy a paper because if not anything else just to preserve people's jobs and livelihoods 
Absolutely, because again, you know, a newspaper is not just the journalists, right? A newspaper is made up of many, many, many different departments and people who've all got jobs. And, you know, when a when an industry goes bump or a big corporation goes bump, everybody's out of work. And I understand why, you know, some people feel very strongly that, oh, the sun needs to go out of business or the sooner it goes out of business, the better. Well, I've got a mate who works for the sun. And so, you know, no, yeah. like it's, this is what I mean that like, there's a there's a, a a line between I can look at journalist X and go, you know what, you're a dickhead. I'm just never going to click on an article that you write. But I don't want your industry to go bump. And I don't even want your job to go bump because I'm sure there's dickheads who want to read the rubbish that you write. It's just not for me. And the greatness of a free world and free press and all that stuff is you read the stuff you want to read and you don't read the stuff that you don't want to read well, um, i used to work for the government but i'm not responsible for them so exactly. uh, might be not might be the best analogy but uh, and yeah you've, you've made passionate arguments there I'll, I'll stop doing sarcastic tweets about newspapers as well <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you howard uh, right gentlemen listen it's good friday and i felt that was a pretty good podcast so mr hawking thank you very much a pleasure as always jordan thank you very much pleasure anytime not doing anything at the moment so just let me know (laughs) (laughs) you can come back next week definitely listen to everybody who listened um yeah be safe be well respect social distancing uh as much as you can and um yeah don't be too despondent whatever's going on in the world and as always up the blues